Jeremiah chapter one. If you're there, say amen. Right, we'll go back up to verse number four. It says, the word of the Lord came unto me, who Jeremiah is saying, before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. Before thou camest forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee, and I ordained thee a prophet unto the nations. Then said I, ah, Lord God, behold, I cannot speak, for I am a child. But the Lord said unto me, say not, I am, not, I am a child. For thou shalt go to all that I shall send thee, and whatsoever I command thee, thou shalt speak. Be not afraid of their faces, for I am with thee to deliver thee, saith the Lord. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you again for this evening. Lord, it sure has been good to be in your house tonight. Thank you for the song service. Lord, thank you, Lord, for the promise of heaven. Lord, it's not just something that we hope for, or it's not just something that we, we wish and one day that we, we think we're going to get, but Lord, it is our earnest expectation. God, it's what gets us through the hard days. It's what gets us through the difficult times. And knowing, Lord, one day, Lord, we'll leave this world behind. All the struggle, all the pain, all the strife, all the burdens, all the sickness. Lord, one day we'll leave it all behind to go to a place where that stuff no longer exists. Lord, I can't wrap my mind around that tonight, but Lord, I'm sure glad that's what I'm looking forward to. Lord, I'm thankful tonight for an expected end. Lord, I, I, don't, I, I know exactly where I'm going tonight. Lord, I have no doubt about those things. We ask you, Lord, this month, God, as we, we purpose in our heart to give out the gospel, Lord, help us, Lord, to, to do it with the right heart and the right spirit. But Lord, also help us to do it with that same expectancy. God, as much as we look forward to heaven and we expect it and we're waiting for it and we're longing for it, God, we have that same desire when it comes to the souls of men and women. We ask you, Lord, tonight that you just touch now the, not just the reading of the word of God but the preaching tonight, Lord, and make it, Lord, what you desire it to be. God, would you hide me behind the cross of Calvary? God, would you hit me out of, my, out of myself, Lord, and fill me with your spirit? And God, help us leave out of here, Lord, with exactly what we need tonight. Lord, we love you, and we thank you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Let me ask you, children, tonight, we'll deal with the, the relationship between a child and their parent or a child and their adult. I understand that not every, not every home is perfect tonight. And as a matter of fact, outside of, uh, you know, I don't think you'll find a perfect home. You can find a good home and a godly home. But I also know even within our church, not, not every home is what they would call the textbook kind of home, that regular two, two, two uh, uh, parents, children, all that wonderful stuff. That I know that not every home is like that, but yet there is that relationship between a child and, and, and a parent or a guardian that is raising tonight. And we're going to see here uh, tonight what's that supposed to look like and what's the value of it. Tonight, if I were to ask all these kids that are in here tonight, what's one thing they can't wait for? It's typically something that you have to be older to do. Right? How many of you young men can't wait to get your driver's license? Right, so you can get you a nice car, a nice truck, and drive it all around. How many of you young ladies can't wait to be married or, or you know, to, to have, have your driver's license, amen? Uh, it's like, they're kind of raising, I, mean, I don't know, preacher, I mean, I'm supposed to raise my hand, right? But it's always something we look forward to. I need another preacher, that's where I was, right? I remember being that age and being y'all's age and saying, man, I can't wait until this, and I can't wait until that, and I can't wait until I'm old enough to do this. I can't wait until I'm old enough to move out of my parents' house and be my own man and do my own thing. I wish somebody would have told me there's a whole lot more responsibility. You can't just do whatever you want. Uh, <laughs> there's things that have to be done. There's requirements that have to be met. You have to pay bills or they'll turn your power up. Crazy, craziness that goes on out there, amen? But now if you were to ask the old adults in here, how many of us would say, you know what? I wish there was times in my life that I could go back to the responsibility level that I had as a child. 
Right? We're grateful for what the Lord has done in our life and we're thankful for it. But man, could you imagine going back to the days when the, the, the most thing you stressed out over was what they were serving at lunch at the school cafeteria? I mean, <laughs> was it Miss Bailey this morning said that's her favorite class is, is lunch at school. I said, I can't identify with that, amen? Anyway, but we're going to see, and we go back and we wish we could go back and they're wanting to get older, but really there's a great value in a child and in, in, in someone's childhood tonight. And we see that right here in Jeremiah's life, right? God says, I knew you before I formed you. And that's not just true to Jeremiah, that's true to all of us tonight. God knew who we were before we ever were. And, and, and that's an amazing thing tonight. And yet he, at the same time, Jeremiah says, oh no, I'm a child. Right, I, I'm a child, and God says, no, don't say that. that. That stage has passed on, Jeremiah. That childhood stage has passed on. Now it is time for you to go before the people and preach, thus saith the Lord to them, and prophesy unto them. But we realize that there was something, there, there's a stage in life, right, and we call it childhood. Now, some will say that probably legally it stops at 18, but how many of us know today that there's some people, it just takes them a little bit longer to make that transition, right from childhood to adulthood. But in essence, if we're not careful, we'll, we'll take childhood and make it something that is not important. But if it wasn't necessary, if it wasn't needed in our life, God would not make us go through it, right? He would just make us like Adam and Eve at that age that they were when he created them. They were able to reproduce and have children. And so we got to understand that that's how it could have done. But yet God allows you and I to go through this thing called childhood, to have a relationship either with a parent or some kind of guardian in our life, somebody who, who raises us and teaches us and trains us because he has a purpose behind it. And so young people don't realize and don't think tonight that your childhood is a waste. Don't live it waiting to be older and growing up. Realize now God has a plan and a purpose, not 10 years, not just 10 years from now, not just 20 years from now, but right now. God has a purpose. You know, he's working your life. He's, he's allowed you to be in the family, in the home that you're in tonight, not on accident, but on purpose. Because if he knew you before, he was, before you were formed, then he knew exactly where he placed you and where he put you at tonight. And so now we're going to look at this relationship between a child and their parent. You say, well, preacher, I, I mean, I, I'm with Jeremiah. I'm way beyond the child age. Preacher, I'm, 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 I'm on the opposite end of the spectrum. Now, this sermon is not for me. Can I just say, hold on a second? Because as a Christian, one of our tags, one of our titles is what? A child of God. And so tonight, me and you are children of God. And at the same time, what, what relationship we know in the practical sense between a child and their parent uh, can be true, it, the same is true for you and I as children of God, uh, as Christians tonight, because we have a heavenly father. And we're his child tonight. In that relationship tonight, our heavenly father doesn't make any mistakes. Our heavenly father is perfect tonight. And the same things we want our children to learn from us are the same things we need for them to value that we need to value in our relationship with God. And so notice this tonight, when it comes to your child, how you handle your childhood, right? And how you, how you allow God to take you as a young person and, and look at that relationship that he's given you with your parents and, 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 and how that plays out in your life. It helps you to deal with things later on in life. You know, how many of you wish that there were some things some people would have taught you before you ever became an adult? There's some things you would have learned before you ever went through those things. Uh, but as so we're going to see tonight, four things every child should learn and value through their relationship with their parents, their father and their mother, their guardian, or even with their heavenly father tonight. 
give you four things you need to value tonight. Number one, you, need to, you, you will learn through this relationship, you will learn the value of obedience. Take your Bibles, turn to Ephesians chapter number six. Ephesians chapter number six tonight. We'll be flipping through the Bible, having the, the pages turn, and I thought about something right before service, and now I can't remember it. Something about how do you know when the wind's blowing? You can see the leaves moving. These are the leaves in the word of life tonight, and we can see the wind blowing, and I forgot the whole illustration, but there it is. Ephesians chapter number six, look at verse number one. This is, the first, this is one of the first verses we ta taught our children. Right? Not because, because we think they're terrible kids, but it's, it's essential not just in that relationship of a child and a parent, but it's essential to the Christian life. Right? A lot of the Christian life, if not the majority of the Christian life, hinges on this thing called obedience. Obeying the scriptures, obeying God. And so he goes in verse number one, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Go to verse number two, honor thy father and thy mother, which is the first commandment with promise. That goes back to the book of Exodus. Excuse me, when God gave those 10 commandments and there's a, there's a promise that is attached to honoring thy father and mother that he'll add years to your life. So that's when you see people who are in their 90s and they're 100 years of age. And I think, man, they were some obedient children, right? They obeyed their parents and everything to be that old. Now, it's not necessarily you're going to live to be a ripe old age, but I understand when you do understand, when, when you understand this, this principle of obedience in your life and you learn that children in your relationship with your parents, that the, the authority figure in your life is going to change throughout, throughout your life, right? It'll, it'll start with your parents. It'll, it'll be a pastor. There will be a, a, an employer. There will be a teacher, different things down the line. But ultimately, right, our greatest authority is God. And so we learn this idea of obedience in the home, and that is obeying, obeying our parents tonight. And so you understand the value of it. But notice here, it doesn't just say children obey your parents. It says children obey your parents in the Lord. Right, so that little phrase, that, that prepositional phrase, in the Lord, right, it's a, it's a defining statement, right? And it, it tells you that there is a limit to your obedience. Right, so as, as, as a pastor, as a Christian, as a father myself tonight, I would never expect my children to obey me when I ask them to do something that is contrary to the word of God. Right? So there is a limit to obedience when it is commanded of you to do something that is inherently wrong according to the word of God. Right? Now, that doesn't mean, that doesn't mean you, get to, you get to draw the line. Right? You get to say, well, oh, if I got to vacuum the, the floor one more time, that's going to put me in a bad spirit, and that's against the will of God. It's not what he's talking about. It's talking about those things that we know are sin, that we know are wrong, right? Anytime if your parents ask you to go steal something or to go beat somebody up or something like that, you can tell them no, right? It goes against the word of God. It goes against those things that are true, but at the same time, it fits within the parameters of the word of God. And yes, cleaning your rooms in the word of God, right? Washing the dishes are in the word of God, right? As a preacher, is it really, you got to go search it for yourself. I mean, you'll find it in there somewhere. Amen. See me after the service. We'll study it together and figure out where we can find those things. But no, understand those household chores, right? When your parents are telling those things, they're not doing it to punish you. They're showing you that it's important to live in a clean place, right? It is necessary to live in a clean place. And so there are things uh, that tonight that, that, that the moniker in the Lord gives us, you know, those excuses to obedience for the wrong things or wrong desires, but also it encourages the right motives, right? So as, as a child, your your Obedience isn't merely based out of obligation, 
Right, I'm going to do this because one of the preacher told me to, my mama told me to, my, dad told, my daddy told me to. I'm going to do it because really this relationship, which is the first relationship in any child's life, is that with their parents, is how they learn this idea of obedience and then it's built upon to the place where they understand not only am I to obey my, 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 my physical parents, but I'm to obey my heavenly father. Right, in the Lord, I, I learned the, the importance and the value of obeying. Obeying isn't motivated by obligation, but it's out of love tonight. And right, you may not understand that now where you are, but in reality is when you begin to understand I'm obeying not because I have to, not because I'm being forced to, not because I'm just fearful of the repercussions, but I'm fear I'm obeying because I love my parents, and then or I'm obeying because I love the Lord tonight. It, it gives you a greater understanding, the value of obedience. That God is willing to allow somebody like me to obey him. Right? Because in his righteousness and his, in his holiness, my sin ought to just, re, he ought to reject me as fast as he can and throw me as far as he can. And yet his grace says, listen, I'll give you an opportunity to obey me and to follow me. So this, a child and their parent is, you know, and oftentimes you think, well, preacher, you ought to just tell them to obey. Obey, 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 obey. That's all they need to know. Right, but if there's no instruction on why obedience is important, they'll have the wrong understanding of obedience. So you see the value of obedience in Ephesians 6, number one. Another thing you'll learn in your relationship with your, with your child, with you as a child to your parent, and truth be told, you're probably not going to get this right now where you are. Right, because I, like I said, I sat in your shoes, I grew up like you, you did, and I thought, man, my parents have got it backwards. Right, one day, I'll show them they were wrong. And I'll show them that I was right. Come to find out, there's not very many things I was right about. There's a lot that I was wrong about. Right? I should have listened. And it, it takes, it really, it takes a humbling experience for you to realize, man, they really did love me. They really did care for me. They really were trying to help me. They weren't just trying to kill me. And so notice number one, the value of obedience. Notice number two, in the child and parent relationship, you'll understand the value of instruction. The value of instruction. Take your Bibles, turn to Proverbs chapter one tonight. We've already covered this on Wednesday nights a little bit, but we'll look right back at it again quickly tonight in Proverbs chapter one, verse number eight tonight. Get there eventually. Look at verse number eight. My son, hear the instruction of thy father and forsake not the law of thy mother. I was... Uh, we were at Good News Club Thursday, and when they ring a certain bell, we pray, and then I head over into the other part of the school, and they dismiss the wild horde of kids for Good News Club. But typically, there's a little, about 15-minute period right there while I'm waiting for dismissal and all that, and I walk in, I'm at the end of the hallway, and there's, I think she's a math teacher, or that's like the math teacher hall, or that's where all the math teachers are. But I, I overheard one of the teachers telling one of the, the custodians that, you know, this last portion of the school year, she's got seniors, and she said, instead of teaching them things they're never going to use, I'm going to teach them things that they are, are going to use. She said, right now we're going over interest rates and how to apply for loans and what credit is and how to build it and all these different kind of things. And I said, ma'am, I wish you were my math teacher when I was in high school because nobody taught me none of that stuff. Right? I learned things that I've yet, I've learned about imaginary numbers. Never once have they come in use in my life. Never once have I said, you know what? Boy, I really could use an imaginary number right now. <laughs> Except for when I dream about buying things, I would really like some imaginary money that turns into real money real fast. But, I, you know, she's teaching all these things, and I, I remember sitting back, because 
There was a lot that I knew. I had a lot of book sense, but what we call street smarts or, or practical sense, common sense tonight, I, I lacked a lot of those things. <laughs> Me and Miss Becky had, had just gotten married, and I've shared this story before. <laughs> Every time I think about, man, how did I make it this far in life? <laughs> we had went to the bank, and we pulled up to the, the, the drive the drive through teller where, you, you know, it's got that magical tube that, that it sends money into the bank and they send it back to you somehow. Well, my, my mom had used those, and, and I, I mean, I'd been in the car when she used them. And, but I was, you know, I was a teenager, younger than that, and I really didn't care about what was going on. <laughs> but we filled out the paperwork to deposit something, and I took that little canister, and I reached up into that tube, and I tried chunking that thing. Because when my mom put it, that thing just went. I thought, man, this thing's broken. And so I, I was trying to chunk it up into the. Miss Becky said, what are you doing? So I'm trying to get this thing to go to the bank. She said, push the button. <laughs> said, what button? The one that says send. <laughs> I pushed it. I was amazed. That's how that worked. Nobody taught me that. Right? <laughs> but here Solomon is writing once again to his children. He said, hey, listen to my instruction. Right? I know that instructions can sometimes seem boring. I know that instructions can sometimes seem pointless. I know sometimes they can even get repetitive. But listen when your parents are trying to teach you something. Listen on purpose. Right? Because they're not doing it because they have to. They're doing it because they love you. And so listen to them. Right? There's a lot of things that I, I probably would not have struggled with in life if I would have listened to my parents' teaching. <laughs> if I would have asked my mom, how does that thing go up the tube? Right, or when my dad would tell me things all the time, and, and, and you know, my dad, he's, he's an interesting fellow, and he has a way with, with teaching things and instructing and, and different things like that. And, you know, I grew up thinking that the Chinese were going to attack at any moment. And the Russians were just waiting to come over the border of Canada. That's what, man, that's what we grew up thinking. That's what my dad told us. And to the point where one night he wore his gas mask and woke us up at 3 o'clock in the morning telling us the Russians were invading. And told us to all go out to the living room. And I, we, we jumped out of bed, and our room was a mess. I about sprained my ankle three times just getting out of my bedroom. <laughs> we sat down on the couch. My dad takes his mask off. He said, listen, the Russians aren't invading, but you need to have a clean room in case they are. And so it was 3 o'clock in the morning. He made us go clean our room until school started. <laughs> Instruction, right? I wish I'd have paid attention to that, right? Nowadays, you know, I'll, I'll see something. Man, i got to pick that up just in case. <laughs> Just in case the Russian, oh, Putin goes crazy finally. Right, but in, in essence, when, when your parents sit down and they instruct you on things, right, don't take it merely as them just getting onto your case. Right, I know sometimes it comes off that way, but they're trying to teach you. They're trying to instruct you on things. That way, you don't have to have that experience of trying to figure something out. You already are prepared for that. The same thing is true even as a Christian, right, when God begins to deal with our heart about things. And he takes us to his word or he allows a preacher to preach a message that plows right down your row. Listen. Right? Because God's trying to teach you something. He's trying to instruct you on something that, that is going to take place in your life. And so, but here's the thing tonight. You can, you can easily spot out those whose parents never took time to teach them anything. <laughs> I remember hearing a man brag about not being able to use a washing machine. He said, I don't know how to use one of those. I'm a man. I don't know how to use one of those. 
I said, they're not hard to operate. <laughs> you put soap in it, you turn it on, and you push the button, and it works. I'm a man, I don't have to use one of those. I thought, man, you know how dumb you sound right now? <laughs> you don't know how to use a washing machine? I can understand, like, yeah, I don't know how a, a Cadillac converter does what it does. I can understand, I don't know how that works. Not but a washing machine, it's a couple buttons, some soap, you're good to go. Right, so learn, because it'll become evident in your life. You'll say, I don't know what to do here. Right, and oftentimes when we don't know what to do, our first, re- our, first, our first reaction is not to figure out what to do. Our first reaction is to panic. Whereas when we've been taught, we've been instructed, right? If you've ever gone through any life-saving classes, uh, they don't just throw you out in the woods and say, figure it out. They say, you've got to do this and you've got to do that, and they instruct you on how to do those things because it, it helps you in the long run. And so here, when you have a, a, a good relationship, when the child understands that relationship with their parents, they will value the instructions. Forty years down the road, you'll say, thank God for the things my parents taught me. Not just how to operate a washing machine, but right and wrong. Being honest, being somebody of integrity. And, and, and doing this. So, so listen to those instructions. Uh, when, when, is it, when people around you don't know what is going on, lectures and lessons aren't bad. They're actually beneficial. Now, listen, I, I sat where you sat. I'm thought, there was many a times I thought, well, my dad just get to the point. Please, Dad, just tell me what you're trying to, trying to tell me. But now I'm realizing he was trying his best to instruct me and to teach me on those things. So the value of, of obedience you'll learn in the relationship between a child and a parent. You'll learn the value of instruction. You'll look back one day and say, thank God for the things my parents taught me and instructed me. But notice this, in the value or in the relationship of a parent and a child or a child to the parent, you'll learn the value of correction. You'll learn the value of correction. Look at Proverbs chapter 22. Every independent, fundamental, Baptist favorite verse right here. This is where we all shout, we all compare each other's horror stories and war stories. <laughs> Foolishness, Proverbs twenty-two fifteen. Foolishness is bound in the heart of a child, but the rod of correction shall drive it far from him. <laughs> How many of you can testify to both halves of that verse? Right, children, I, myself, man, I, I was full of foolishness. Right, I was. What, what is that, preacher? It's folly. It's it's silliness. Right, it's it's things that left undone and left uncorrected actually cause greater problems later on in life. Right, how 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 old should a child be when you begin correction when they're old enough to understand? Right, when they're old enough to understand, and that's not twelve, ten years old. That's six, seven months old. You can start correction. Right, I'm not saying you grab a six month old and. And, and, and pull off your belt and whip them. But there is a form of correction that can teach them and train them, right, on, on what is right and what is wrong. And then he goes on to say in verse that, say, the, the rod of correction. <laughs> we were somewhere the other day, and we were, as we were at Hobby Lobby picking some things up. And uh, we went down there, and they had one of them cheese boards that you serve cheese on. Looked like the bottom part of a boat oar. And <laughs> we were picking with the kids. We said, here it is. Here's your new spanking spoon. It wasn't even a spoon. It was 12 inches by 18 inches wide. I said, man, you get spanked with that thing, you ain't going to have a hind end left. It's be gone. But notice here, it, 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 why is that, right? You know, it's not so us parents can get together at our, our parent-only meetings and brag about how much we whip our kids. Right? We don't do that. At least I hope you don't. But rather, it's because we understand that these things aren't corrected in your life. And they're not dealt with at an early age. You'll be 30, 40 years old still dealing with it. And then those consequences are a whole lot more severe. 
And so we understand the value. You understand the value of correction. And we talked about this other night when we was in Proverbs, uh, when I brought in the, you know, the, 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 the sandal of spirituality and the flash water of faith and all the, the belt of truth. We talked about these forms of correction and discipline tonight and how there's wisdom gained from it. And I can honestly say there are, there are some things I'm thankful that my parents corrected me on. They didn't let that foolishness stay in there. They corrected us on it. Uh, some of them I, I can't get into tonight. I, don't, I can't figure out a, a polite way to ex- describe them. But we've got to listen. We listen. We're living in a generation, right, that we're saying, hey, listen, at, at five or six years old, it is perfectly okay in our society to let a child choose their gender. You know what that is? That's foolishness. That's silliness. That's outright. How do you, you correct it? No, sir, son, you are not a girl. God made you a man. No, ma'am, you are not a boy. God made you a girl. You correct it and you deal with it, right? Because it's absolutely foolishness what we've turned into in America. Why? Somebody stopped correcting. Or they allowed that correcting process to be, to, to be pawned off onto somebody else, right? Well, I'll let the school system straighten them out. I'll let the university straighten them out. I'll let somebody else know as a parent, right, it is your job, your responsibility to correct your child. And if you want them to understand it and respect it, it needs to come from you and not expect anybody else to do it. Right? Because there's going to come a day in your life you're going to find it, you're probably going to call your parents and say, thank you so much for correcting me because you've saved me from a whole lot of foolishness. Now, my, my dad and my mom, listen, I love them to death, but uh, they, <laughs> I don't know that how they dealt with it was biblical, but it did have a biblical result. Right, a lot of what they, they, they taught us and they trained us and they correct. My dad just, like I said, my dad had a way with things. <laughs> and he would tell us things. And, and I, I'll try to be as polite as I can here. He said, listen, you come home talking nonsense about who you like and, 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 and their affiliation. And you, know, and, and you come home saying, dad, I like boys. My dad said, I'm going to take you outside. And I'm going to wear you out until you change your mind. I said, Dad, you ain't got nothing to worry about. (laughs) Your dad looks like the Russian out of Rocky. You just learned to obey. But I'm thankful right now. Now, did it have a lasting effect? It did on me, right? But at the same time, correction, it's got to be dealt with, right? Every time it pops up, it's got to be corrected. And at the end of the day, you guys will come back in 20 years from now and say, thank you, Mom and Dad, for correcting me. Thank you for not letting me let foolishness and silliness rest in my heart and change the way I live. Next time you get, here's the thing. Now that you know that, next time you get corrected, you want to see, you want to see your parents just break down? Go to them and say, now don't do it arrogantly. Don't do it pridefully. Do it sincerely, but say, thank you. Thank you, because I know 20 years from now I'm going to benefit from that. Your parents aren't going to know what to do with that. I'm sorry for spanking you. <laughs> if you would have just told me that beforehand, we could have saved this whole process. Right, but the value of correction. But Jacob said, man, I missed out. <laughs> Should have never ran from it. <laughs> but you understand the value of correction. And right now, you kids are probably looking at me like, oh, preacher, okay, yeah, yep. You don't, you've never been spanked like I have, preacher. Oh, I have, and I'm thankful for it. I'm thankful for it. So you'll understand the value of correction. And just like it is in the Christian life, how are you glad that God corrects you? How many glad God will say, hey, that's foolishness. 
That's silly. No, we don't do that. That's not what we believe. That's not what my word says. He corrects you on it, and you got to say, all right, Lord, thank you for that. Because I was fixing to go down Silly Avenue. My life was fixing to be a wreck. And so we see the value of correction. And then number, number four tonight will be done. See, that's the good thing. When you preach to kids, you got to be short. Amen? you gotta, you got to fit their, intention, their attention span. You'll see in that, that relationship between you and your parents, you'll see the value of unconditional love. The value of unconditional love. Take your Bible, turn to 1 John chapter number four. Excuse me, 1 John chapter number three tonight. First John chapter number three, verse number one. The Bible says, Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the Son of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not, because it knew him not. Think about that love that God has expressed to us, that we could become his children, his child tonight. Once you realize tonight, whether you realize it tonight, young people, if, you may not have a mom and dad at home, but you've probably got somebody, if you look to them, because of their relationship towards you, you have somebody who loves you unconditionally. Right? They, they love you on the simple fact that God placed you in their life. God gave them, or God gave you to them. That's how it is with my children. They, they aren't perfect, and neither am I tonight, and, and none of us are. But there's one thing they can never do that is unbecome my child. They'll always be my child. Raylan may marry off one day and change her last name, but she'll always be my oldest daughter. Right? T.R., he'll always be T.R. We'll always share the same name, unless she changes it. Right? We'll always share the same name. Little Miss Shiloh, she may get married one day and change, but she'll always be Little Miss Shiloh. She'll always be my, my, my youngest girl. And so we sit out there, and well, how, what did they do to earn that? Nothing. They were just born into my family. I'm just their father. Right, and so I love them unconditionally. Right, they, they failed, they've messed up, just like it was in my life growing up. I wasn't a perfect child. <laughs> Matter of fact, my mom said, if I'd have been the first one, I'd have been an only child. <laughs> she told me that a few years ago. I said, well, I love you too, Mom. <laughs> and I looked at my siblings like, if y'all, I'd have been first. <laughs> y'all to be grateful to me that I came in the middle and everybody forgot about me. But notice, they love me unconditionally. When I got, when I got uh, in trouble for fighting at school, right, my mom didn't kick me out and say, pack your bags, you're, you're, you're out of here. You're in the third grade, but you want to act like that, you're done with it. We're done with you. <laughs> when, I got, when I failed a spelling test in fifth grade, I tried and I made a zero. That's bad. I remember you had to get your paper signed. So I took it to my dad. I said, Dad, I need you to sign this real quick. <laughs> 100, 100, 100, zero. What happened here, son? I said, Dad, I don't know what happened. I tried. I misspelled every single word on the spelling test. And he got to read it. He said, one of your words was bombed. You bombed this thing. <laughs> right, but my dad said, zero. Son, I gave you a head that big. You can't pass a spelling test. I'm done with you. Right now, he corrected me and <laughs> insulted me <laughs> and built my character up. But he never stopped loving me. Right? Matter of fact, to this day, when he texts me, he says, hey, I love you, son. I still love you. And the same is true with my children, right? There's, there's nothing they can do, right, that'll remove that love as a father to a child. 
And the same is true when it comes to a Christian. There's nothing you and I can do, right? God said, I love you with an everlasting love. My love isn't, God's love isn't hinged on our performance and our ability. It's hinged on the promise that he made to his son, right? If you die for them and you, you pay the price, I will love them for all eternity. And last time I checked, he, he still paid the price. And the price is still paid tonight. And so God's love for you and I tonight as children of God is unconditional. And this is, there's nothing you and I have to do to either receive it, to enjoy it, or, or to get any more of it tonight. God loves us unconditionally. And you realize tonight, whether you realize tonight as a parent or as a child, your relationship with your parents tonight is your first experience at unconditional love. Somebody who loves me merely because I'm theirs. And merely because they want me. Like I said tonight, not every home in our, our church tonight is, 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 is like that tonight, but yet I think every child in here has somebody in their life. They may have not birthed them into the, into the family, but maybe they got adopted or they were chosen and they said, listen, I may not be your biological parent, but God has given me you. I'm gonna love you unconditionally. Miss Norma, is there anything, Miss Bri that Miss Briar, close your ears? <laughs> I don't want her to try to push the limits. Is there anything Miss Miss Breyer could do for you to quit loving her? Miss <laughs> Jennifer, is there anything they can do to make you not love them anymore? Brother Kim, you can be honest, Brother Kim. <laughs> Any, anything that your boys could do for make you quit loving them, Brother Jen, Brother Ricky, preacher? No. And they said, whew, <laughs> a weight has been lifted. Miss Raylan's fixing to have revival. But the same is true about God. Right? There's nothing that I, I can think would cross my mind and say, you know what, I'm going to quit loving. I may not agree with them. I may not necessarily like what they're doing. I may not even condone what they're doing. But I will not quit loving them. Because they're my child. And I want my children to grow up in a home where they understand their heavenly father's unconditional love for them because they see their unconditional love from their parents shown to them every day. And so listen, young people, if you're in a home where somebody loves you unconditionally, learn to value that. Learn to value that because so much more than that, God loves you unconditionally. And God loves me unconditionally. I'm thankful tonight when you look at that relationship between a child and and a parent. You learn the value of obedience. You learn the value of instruction and correction. But you also learn the value of unconditional love tonight. How many glad that he loves us? Amen. Let's pray.